As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. Another episode of 1% Better. Interesting week. Uh, Colts getting ready to go down to Houston. So we're looking ahead. We've already kind of recapped Tennessee. And besides, why would you want to relive that? So let's look ahead. Um, Seven and four. They still got lots of opportunity in front of them. This is not, I think, going to be an easy game. But before we even get to that, let's talk Zach just briefly about where the Colts are uh they have they've been through a lot here in the last couple of weeks injuries COVID a lot going on so what do we think where do we think they are in terms of injury and COVID it looks like and tell me if I miss anything here it looks like Ryan Kelly looking good had some practice this week I think he'll be back Anthony Costanzo won't be he's out got a knee spring. In terms of COVID, Jonathan Taylor's back. He was back in the building at practice yesterday, so that's promising. And then we've got the two defensive linemen, which I'm talking about Danica Watry and DeForest Buckner here, obviously. And Frank Reich's been a little vague about that. Uh, but should we feel optimistic that both those guys can play? Or, I mean, what's the reasonable approach, do you think, to take there? This is hard because... You think that DeForest Buckner is is probably going to be able to come back, right? You don't know for sure. You can't assume anything in this COVID era. But this is a game that worries me if I'm a Colts fan. And I can explain why. And I want to get your take as well. Uh, I'm throwing the Texans record out. They're 4-7. and seven, But here's why I'm doing that. They've won 3-4. of four, And they were on the two-yard line against the Browns late in the game. And they could have won that one. And that would have been 4-4. Four four. So they're playing much better. Watson's been insane the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's got 26 touchdowns and I think five picks this year. So he's still playing at a very high level. They don't have any receivers. Two of them popped this week. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins. This is the first time the Colts have seen him since they traded Hopkins in the offseason. They still have J.J. Watt. The defense is bad, but it can make plays. And the biggest reason I have for concern right now is not that DeForest Buckner may or may not play. It's on the other side of the ball for the Colts. It's the Colts without Anthony Costanzo. I think his loss, which we expect him to not be out there Sunday, is huge. And so I think this is, you may be in a lot of people's minds, an easy win because the Colts, the Texans are having a down year. 
I think this is this is a sneaky tough game for the Colts for a lot of reasons, and a lot of those are the guys they're not going to have available, very likely. All right, so yeah, I, I agree with all that. I think so. There's a lot there, so let's let's sort of parse this out a little bit, right? So let's start with uh, well, first of all, let's just recap real quickly um, the COVID situation with DeForest Buckner. the The deciding factor there is whether or not he is asymptomatic, or I guess whether or not he is symptomatic, I should say. And that we don't know. They don't disclose that. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, it's it's a medical privacy thing. That's fine. But that determines whether he misses 10 days or 14 days. If it's a asymptomatic situation, he could be eligible to play. He would be eligible to play. Yeah, they'd move uh, him up Saturday. and For sure. You'd rather and have you him know out there without practice than, than not have him out there at all. So I think that's right. a no-brainer. Right. I mean, we talked to... Uh, special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone yesterday, he actually had COVID a couple weeks ago, wasn't really sick, and he said he worked out the whole time. He was just quarantined at home. So, I mean, I would imagine that DeForest Buckner is getting a lot of physical activity in in some in some fashion, right? Uh, I don't know if he's doing it in his backyard, whatever, but, I mean, he's probably not sitting there watching soap operas. I'm sure he's getting ready to play, if he, if he can. Assuming that don't think DeForest that. watches soap operas, but that'd be an interesting little tidbit. I'm, if he does, I, I call dibs on that story. Right, uh, right. So <laughs> we'll deal with that another time. So anyway, just to clarify that, because I think I left that hanging. Now, as for the stuff that you laid out about about Houston, 100% true. I got a couple things here to, to sort of walk through. So Texans, as you said, they've won three out of four. They haven't beaten strong competition, but that being said, I, I think there was a criticism of the Colts about that at one point. What did we tell you? We told you they beat who's on the schedule, right? So they've beaten Jacksonville, New England, and Detroit. Uh, same thing I would say about the Colts' victories earlier in the season. It is what it is. Uh, but here's the thing. They have played exceptional in those games, okay? They're not squeaking these games out. I mean, they hung 41 points on Detroit. So uh, they are handily winning. And a couple of things. They averaged, I did ran, ran a few numbers here. They averaged in those wins 32 points. Okay, 32 points. And Deshaun Watson in those three games averaged 314 passing yards. So this is a different team right now. Yeah, no question my, about it. My counter would be well, they're going against one of the best defenses in football, but that's not the case right now, right? You can't say that without Danico Autry, without DeForest Buckner. And Bobby right. Okariki didn't practice on Wednesday again with that ankle. We'll see if he goes today and possibly tomorrow. But I don't think the Colts have that backbone they're used to having in terms of a defense that's that's lights out. I mean, I did the numbers as well. They've allowed 80 points in the first half in their last three games. That's 26 per game. They've allowed 14 in the second half. So they need to stop getting in these holes in the first half. And this defense is just frankly not the same without those three guys. Yeah, and I, I think this matchup isn't as – I guess it's a different matchup than the Titans, right? Because I think from a physical standpoint, they didn't have what it took up front to win, uh, to, to win the battle in the line of scrimmage in the Titans game. This game, I mean, Houston will run the ball, but but it's not a – it's not going to be a determined running yeah. attack. And They're terrible. Like, like They're Tennessee. terrible in the run game. Right. So I don't think you have to worry about that as much. Now, the Colts don't have a pass rush, and I'll get to that in a second. But uh, but somehow they, they've transcended the fact that they they don't have a pass rush and uh, and, and maybe have a weak 
link at cornerback and somehow have been one of the best defenses in the NFL this year, but maybe that says more about DeForest Buckner than anything else. Uh, but anyway, on, on this, this Houston thing, uh, you mentioned LaRaven Clark. I don't disagree. It's a problem. Here's where I feel a little more optimistic about this game than last game with the Raven Clark specifically. He came in mid-game last game. They certainly didn't game plan for that. Here, they're going to have, I'm not suggesting it's not going to be a problem. It will be a problem, I assure you. <laughs> okay, mm. But they at least have a week to plan and to game plan around the fact that Anthony Costanzo is not going to play. Uh, so I, I'm going to, th- I think hope maybe is the right word. <laughs> I, I want to believe that that this won't be as catastrophic um, as as it was when he first went into the game uh, last week against Tennessee. But that being said, Romeo Cornell is no fool. <laughs> okay, right. so so we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, I can can they overcome that though? I mean, do, do you think they can? Uh, look, even even despite having uh, having Clark in there on Sunday, it wasn't like the Titans piled up a bunch of sacks. I mean, they still protected Rivers relatively well, uh, but the pressure was there. And I think he just had to deal with that pressure, I guess is the, is the question. I mean, how is that? I mean, can that be the turning point in the game, though? Can they lose the game because of this? Yeah, I really do think they can. And, and I'll eat my words if I'm wrong, but for me, it starts with, you talk about most irreplaceable players. It starts with 74 for me. For a I long time, it was that. T.Y. Hilton. And I get the yeah. quarterback and the role, but... Man, this offense changed the minute Costanza went out on Sunday. And I get what you're saying about they didn't have a week to prepare. And, and maybe they moved Braden Smith over. And and maybe they you know keep Moelle Cox down to help the Raven. Chaz Green didn't practice yesterday with a back. So um, it's just not a good situation. And I understand that it's really hard to find a good left tackle backup, right? I mean, there's a reason Costanzo makes $16 million a year because he's really good. It's hard to find a starter. It's hard to find a starter. It's hard to find a backup. There's going to be a drop-off. But it's not about Costanzo. It's about Rivers. And Rivers, the minute Mm -hmm. Costanzo was out on Sunday, just looked flustered. And it goes back to the Cleveland game. Remember how bad he looked in certain situations in Cleveland, the decision-making he was rushed, right. he was out of sync, and the offense sputtered. I think the left tackle is that important. And and it's I get how much Buckner changes the defense. The same can be said of Costanzo. And I think this is a reason that I mean this could this could cost them on Sunday. Now, I like what you're saying though. Frank Reich knows this. He's gonna have a week to prepare, and they're gonna have something in plan. He said he's got a plan A and a plan B. We'll see what those plans are, but um it's really hard to overcome the the absence of Anthony Costanzo. I'm not I'm not going to underplay it. It's it's really big for me. Yeah, I don't you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I think I'm I'm probably giving <clears throat> too much benefit of the doubt and and that's probably stupid. Uh, what I what what I think what you said about how it affects Rivers not so much in terms of getting hit, but in terms of how he deals with the pressure. That part is true. And I think that's been an issue for them and and I think we did see, I think the Cleveland game was a great example of that. Now, granted, uh, the Texans do not have Miles Garrett. So we have that. Okay, there is that. However, yeah, I do but... think there is something. I mean, look, J.J. Watt still got some yeah. juice left. I agree with you. Yeah, and there's no question. I mean, they're going to, he's going to get his. Uh, but, but I would say this, but I think it does, there is something there. And I think that that difference we saw in the offense after Costanza's departure 
I, I do think that LaRaven Clark kind of settled in a little bit as the game went on, but there is no question, in my opinion, that Rivers did not trust his protection. And I think that's where he gets a little bit uh, unsettled. I, even, for example, when I did the film review, even if you go back and you look at the deep ball to T.Y. Hilton, 50-yard pass, biggest play of the game. Watch Phillip Rivers. He throws it off his back foot, and he's not really confident <laughs> in his pocket. And it was kind of unfortunate because T.Y. should have scored. Like, it should have been a catch, run, touchdown. Like, he shouldn't have even had to backtrack and try to elude two defenders. None of that should have happened. He should have caught it in the air and crossed the goal line without even being touched. That's how wide open he was. So, you know, it's unfortunate. but, But that's just the reality of it. And I just think that that's something that's going to be a factor throughout the game. Oh, and by the way, Zach, as we're recording this, we yeah, have I just news. started to type this out. So, all right, you heard it here first. Uh, Danique Watry, he's been he's been activated from the COVID list. This is so big. that's a start. This is big. That's that's two of them. Now the, the best player is still on the COVID list, and that's DeForest Buckner. Right. But this is a good sign. Uh, you yeah. need you need Autry back. So, yeah, I mean, this is. You know, hopefully on Saturday they get more good news because if they're full strength, I do like the Colts' chances even without Costanzo Sunday in yeah. Houston. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I just to put a bow on it, I, I really do think Philip Rivers. I think from a from a mental standpoint and a comfort comfort standpoint, trust standpoint in his pocket, uh, those are the things that are impacted. There's no question about that, and he has to transcend that. And, and whether he can, I think it remains to be seen. You know, I was looking at something, and I may write about this here in the coming days or weeks. But Rivers is on pace, I believe, for a career low in sacks. Yeah, and this is something that, we haven't talked about. I know, and and I think that's there's a couple of takeaways from that. Okay, why was he so inefficient last year? Part of it was his protection. Okay, now there were some decisions, right? But I think there were. I think that's related. All right, we just talked about the the Cleveland game. It is his worst decision making game of the season. It's mm-hmm. also the worst pass protection game. Uh, there's no question. There's a linkage there. Uh, and go back and watch his sack numbers from the last I don't know four to five years. They're atrocious. <laughs> I mean. I can't even imagine Philip Rivers getting sacked that often because I, I haven't seen him get hit this year. So, yeah, and we know he's a statue back there. And the one thing I kept hearing from from San Diego and LA writers was like, just wait till this guy gets a good offensive line, and and you're seeing it. And and the one thing that really good quarterbacks do, Brady, Manning, Brees, they throw the ball away when it's when they're going to get sacked. They just throw it away, and that you know gives him another down, and that's a good way to avoid sacks as well. But going back to your earlier point about Costanzo. And when we talk about Rivers, can he transcend not having everything work out perfect, right? So I think Rivers is is really good. I really have liked what I've seen of him since the midway point in the season. And I think he's good enough to carry this team to the playoffs. Absolutely. But can he do so when they're banged up and they're hurting, right? So without Costanzo, everything needs to be in place for Rivers to really succeed. And that's not a knock on Rivers. He's 38. I think he's good enough with a good clean pocket to make some really good throws. And we saw that early in Sunday's game against the Titans. But can he transcend what Deshaun Watson's doing really right now without any good receivers? Can he transcend a team that's hurting in a couple spots? That's what I don't know because they were not good Sunday after Costanza went down. There will be a game plan in place. But isn't that what you're paying him $25 million to do to win when things don't go well? Because this is what happened last year. They started to fall apart. 
and Brissett had the knee, but he started to play really poorly. The passing game disappeared, and the Colts collapsed. Can Rivers overcome those kind of things? That's what I want to see. I'm not sure, but um, I think we should really mention that Rivers has been really good lately. And I'm throwing out the second half of the game last week because they were so far down. But um, some of his throws on Sunday were absolute dimes early in the game, and, and that's stuff we didn't see last year. Yeah, it, so you, you asked a question there. And I want to circle back to that. You said, you know, can he overcome the situation when things aren't ideal? And, and certainly missing your left tackle qualifies as being not ideal. Uh, so my answer to that is I'm not sure, actually, because and I'm not you asked me or you, you posed the question. Isn't that why they're paying him 25 million dollars? Well, somewhat. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but I think there's also the fact that. Frank Reich knows who Philip Rivers is, okay? If anybody knows, it's him. And he must know that in these suboptimal situations that he's not, you know, going to be who you want him to be. I think he knows that. I mean, look, I know this is an unfair bar, but to hell, screw it. Andrew Luck never had an ideal <laughs> unfair. situation. <laughs> unfair. But, uh, but, but just I'm just drawing a distinction, right? Andrew Luck never had an ideal situation. Right? Yeah, I he mean, did. At the end of his fifth season, well, at the end had of 2018 for, year. He had it for it. one year. Right. <laughs> exactly. So so for, for, for six out of seven years that he played or whatever it was, he had to deal with just, you know, wildfires all around him. <laughs> okay? And yeah. always packing up and moving from one place to another because here comes another fire. And constantly, <clears throat> excuse me, constantly running away from the next outbreak. And... And he overcame that in many cases. Sometimes even he couldn't, but but he did overcome it in, in quite a few cases. And I think that's the difference here. I think, number one, there was his mobility. Certainly that was a big part of it. Uh, and, and youth is a big part of that as well. But, uh, but right, Philip Rivers, you have 38 years old and you have not mobile. So it's tough at this point for him to overcome some of this. And I just think that's the, that, that's not the kind of quarterback you want to be uh, missing a left tackle. I just think so many times around the league, I mean, you know, you watch a lot of football. I watch a lot of football. There's a lot of bad protection out there, okay? Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of bad protection. Can we just be clear about that? The Colts, what they have is is impeccable by comparison. However, most of these quarterbacks nowadays, what do they have? They have mobility. That is absolutely 100% a prerequisite nowadays. And they don't want you generally – you're not drafting a quarterback early in the draft who does not have mobility anymore. That is not going to happen. So I don't know what I'm saying. I guess I guess my point is <laughs> the Colts don't have that. I just think when you ask can he overcome sort of a suboptimal situation, he's really not very well positioned to do that. And I think that's why in the last several weeks things were going well. You know, the yeah. running game is getting a little bit of traction. The pass protection impeccable and you saw rivers at his best i don't think there's any accident there like those things are linked so so we'll see but um uh, you know i just think that that's this is going to kind of tell us a little bit more if he can overcome this then i guess we'll have a better or clearer answer and to be uh, honest like you said maybe he can like right that's what i want to see yeah you know he's 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 i think it's inarguable that philip rivers has gotten better as the season has gone on he's settled in 
he's gotten into the he's gotten them into so many good play. You can tell the looks that he's gotten them into. And you can tell what defensive coordinators and defensive head coaches have said about him. Like, this guy always gets them into the right look. He always checks them into the right audible. And he's made some really, really nice touch throws down the field. And he's really elevated the offense. I really believe he has. With the ascension of Michael Pittman the last couple weeks, you saw Jonathan Taylor have a really nice second half against the Green Bay Packers. Um, I am a little curious as to why the tight ends have not been more of a focal point in the offense. Now, I will give you Trey Burton. Who's made some awesome touchdown catches the last two weeks, but you've had to bring Mo Cox to be a blocker essentially. Jack Doyle had a touchdown against the Packers, but um, or a two-point conversion, but same thing. But yeah, I mean, it, one target. Um, so they're still figuring some things out, but they've gotten a little bit more from Ty of late. And just a casual reminder, they are going to Houston on Sunday, and I think that's going to bring back some good memories for Ty. You had the great story that was posted yesterday about that wild Matt Hasselbeck burrito game on a Thursday night and how T.Y. sealed the game with that with that go route. Um, look, it's it's T.Y.'s house. He's called it that before. Maybe this is the day he really goes off. But he had a nice day against the Titans yesterday, caught his first touchdown of the season. I still think T.Y. can be a contributor on offense. All of that will help Phillip Rivers. And I don't want to doubt Phillip Rivers. We know he can't move in the pocket. When I talked to Frank Reich right after they signed him, I was like, Really? Like, are you sold on this guy? And Frank's like, look, he can never move in the pocket. That's not an issue. Um, they believed in the arm. They believed in everything else. I think we started to see that in the last couple of weeks, like you said. Uh, but this is going to be a test, no doubt. The Titans, excuse me, the Texans are pretty terrible on defense. They can get after the quarterback a little bit with Watt, but the secondary is bad. They're awful. So Philip Rivers needs, rinse, needs repeat, to go to work by the way. this week. <laughs> Um, Texans and bad secondary. Rinse, repeat. I mean, like, yeah, have, I mean, have they for, ever had for like, six a years. legitimate secondary? Not in I my time. I think you're just biased because you've watched T.Y. Hilton put up 200 Maybe on like I six am. times. I see them twice a year, and I've never seen them like, make a stop in the secondary. No. I just, it's unbelievable. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. In all seriousness, I will say this, and I know this is not the first thing you think about with the Texans, but I'd like to see the Colts run the ball a little bit. And I think they maybe they can. I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure how the Texans have fared against the run right off the top of my head. but Oh, they're terrible I, running the ball. They're terrible against the run. Now, Watson can throw it. They, they, they've thrown the ball very well, but they're down receivers right and left. And, yeah, uh, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're in bad shape. I don't know. I don't know if I should just throw out all the stats and, and just say it's Colts, Texans. Who knows what's going to happen because they've had so many weird games over the years. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when you're looking at it just from the Colts perspective, you've you got to go win this one. You've got to go win this one. You've got you've got a playoff spot right now. You can't go backwards. Yeah. Uh, so before we wrap this up, I want to touch on a couple things. We, we, we talk to players every day, obviously. And I thought one player we heard from this week who – I think we should maybe discuss it. Rocky Asin, and I know we talked about him, I think we did, on the Monday podcast. But, um, you know, we haven't heard from him for a while. So it was good to hear his thoughts. What did you make of what he said, and what sort of stuck with you from his comments? So I think it's in his head right now. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's it's sort of spilling into Sundays, right? So yeah. you've watched the tape on Rock. Like, 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 let me know the last time Rock's been out of position. He's always in position. Right. Um, he's just way too handsy late in the downs. And, and he said that, and I think it's in his head. And, and he had an interesting quote. He said, if you get a reputation, you keep the reputation. And I think he's got a reputation twofold right now. It's with the opposing quarterbacks who are going after him. And I would too. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, you saw it, first play of the game, Yeah, you're thinking, worst case, I get the flag. Worst case, you get the flag. Best case, you get the completion. And the other reputation he has is with the officials. And this is something I talked with last year after that Denver game with Rock. And he's like, look, if they see you do it a little bit early, they stay on you and they call it late. But the thing is, these are not hard calls to make. These are easy calls to make because he's fouling, period. He's way too handsy late in the down. He's in good position and he just gets really handsy. And you're going to see the flag come out every time. What did you think of, of what he said and where he's at mentally? Because personally, my takeaway is he starts to panic late in the down. He gets too handsy, and they're easy flags to throw. Well, I I liked the fact that he didn't get defensive about it and like try to say, oh, the calls are borderline. You know, because I agree. There, maybe there have been some. I'll say that. But I think there's he's got two things working against him. You just talked about one of them. One is they're looking for him, number one. And number two, it's 2020. And that's just what it is, okay? It's tough to be a defensive back. Yeah. I mean, don't raise your kids to be a corner, okay, people? I'm just telling you at this point. It's a, it's a thankless job. And what did Eberfield <laughs> it say? It really, really is. He said it's the hardest position on the field besides quarterback. Yeah, and I thought about that comment, too. You know what? That resonated with me. I was like, man, is he right? And then I was like, I think he's right. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's tough, man. It's a really, especially in today's day and age, it's a really tough position. Uh, but no one cares, right? No one yeah. cares. So it is what it is. The job you signed up for and the checks don't bounce. So it is what it is. So I would say I, I thought, firstly, as I said, I like that he didn't make excuses. I do like that he acknowledged that this is on me to fix this. Um, and so he gets it. I think that's good. That doesn't mean he's going to be able to break the habit. I'm not saying that. But I think he gets it. And I think he understands it. Um, one thing I'll say about Rock is, he has overcome this before. I thought he straightened this out last year, but but maybe you know, is he going to be one of those guys who maybe goes through these slumps and and kind of falls into these these periods where he has these problems? I don't know because that's that's kind of what happened early last year. And the Denver game is when it came to a crescendo. Uh, I think that was Cortland Sutton, Cortland mm-hmm. Sutton, excuse me, that just you know completely destroyed him that day. But 
he came out of that. And I thought he, he finished much better. I mean, I wouldn't say great, but he finished much better than he was up to that point of his rookie season. So, look, he's still just, I think, what, 24 games into his career or something? You know what I mean? So, I'm not, like, ringing the alarm on Rocky Asin. I think, I mean, you ring the alarm in different ways. I think you can ring the alarm by saying, okay, there's a problem here. Yeah, that is happening. That You should ring that bell. Right. There's another bell that says, okay, this guy can't play and it's time for another option. I don't think they're there yet because, to be honest, he's talented. <laughs> he's just yeah. – they got to figure out if, he can, if they can fix this. And I don't, know, I don't know when they'll know that answer, but uh, it's still early. So that's, I don't think, that's where I'm at with it. I think it's twofold. I don't think it's – like I don't think Rakusin can't do it. Like I really do think mm-hmm. he could become a really good corner. I think he needs to fix these fundamental things late in the wraps that he just leans on when he panics. Like I don't think – the dude can't play. Like, I really do think he can play and figure this out. But on the on the other part, it's like, if you keep doing this, dude, you need to get off the field because you're costing this team. Like, sure. Sunday, third down in the red zone, they get a stop. They finally get a stop against Derrick Henry. And there's a flag on 26, and the Titans score a touchdown. That's happened time and again this season. I don't like the options behind him either, but this is putting the defense in terrible spots, and it's happened more than once. And you got to get off the field. Like, you got to get this guy off the field if he's going to keep doing this because quarterbacks are going to keep going his way. I like keeping Kenny Moore inside. Obviously, you put TJ Carey out there. Maybe you put TJ Carey inside and put Kenny on the outside. Kenny's still one of your best defenders no matter where he's at. But it doesn't put your defense in a good position. But I still like that better than having Rocky Sin out there struggling because it's, it's, it's going to cost this team in a big way if they keep him out there and he doesn't figure this out. So... This is huge. This is this is not a time to let a guy work through some things. If he's going to keep costing you and if he starts to struggle Sunday in Houston, you've got to pull him off the field because they can't afford to lose this game because Rocky Sin keeps getting flagged or keeps giving up big plays. So this defense is too good to let one cornerback really, really handicap them. So it will help if they get Buckner back. Let's be honest. That will help Rocky Sin in a huge way. It will help that they have Autry back for sure. Um, but it's... It's it, you got to balance like we got to let this young player grow through these lumps and these early early season you know early career hurdles, but also like we have a playoff spot on the line and we can't afford to have this guy out there if he's going to hurt us. Right. So I, and that's why I think you you kind of find the balance like you said. I think I think the leash is already short. I think we know that because they yeah. did pull him off the field. They did. So I I think that's the precedent right there. I don't think he. This is. I still think he probably starts on Sunday. I think. I think so. Yeah. I think. But but that doesn't mean it finishes that way. So we'll see. You just hit on something that I think it's, it's actually a great prelude because I was going to touch on this anyway. We really got to drill down on pass rush a little bit, and I think that has become a real factor in in some of these big plays too. Um, look, the defensive backs. They got their own deal. But that being said, uh, there's just no pressure, okay? Ryan Tannehill only threw it, I think, 22, 23 times. But, I mean, <laughs> he could have thrown it 32 times. It didn't matter. They weren't getting any pressure back there. And I got to tell you, I mean, Justin Houston, I love Justin Houston, right? He has been really good for this team. But you can see him tailing off. There's no question about that. He has not made an impactful, an impactful play in a couple games now. Okay, I haven't seen it, and I I think there's something there that we can't ignore. 
uh, Danico Autry missing the last two games has definitely hurt them. He's not a he's not a sort of a born pass rusher necessarily. Yeah, but he's leading them but in sacks. But he gets there. He gets pressure, right. He gets pressure. He does lead them in sacks. He gets pressure. I think that's what they need. I don't care about sacks necessarily, but they don't have pressure right now, and that is not good. Certainly not from the edge. Um, so I, I think they have to find a way to manufacture that. Hit, look, I just gave you the numbers on Deshaun Watson, okay? are you When you pressure Deshaun Watson, he's a different guy, okay? Then he starts to, to speed up, and now he makes a, maybe a, a bad decision, and maybe you get a pick. But unless you get some pass rush, okay, it ain't going to happen. And then you got to go play Derek Carr, who, same thing. Look, we can we can make fun of Derek Carr and, and say he's inconsistent, and he is. But all right, go to Las Vegas and and give him all day to throw the ball, and let me know how that works out. Okay. Yeah, I mean this 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 was reminiscent of the Week One game. What happened in Jacksonville? They didn't pressure Gardner Minshew, and he carved them up. So the pass rush has just disappeared the last couple of weeks. I mean, we even asked Matt Eberflus about it this week, and he's like, "We didn't have any pass rush." I mean, that's as mm-hmm. clear cut as you're going to get. And Autry will help for sure, but but Houston needs to pick it up. That's just the reality. That's where they're at. And and look, 14 snaps for Kamoko Toure the last two weeks. I know they're bringing yeah. him back slowly, but it's time. Like if this guy's healthy, like you got to let him go. You got to let him see some snaps, some third downs, some some third and nines. Like let Toure go to work because you need to get after the quarterback, and that's going to make everything better for the guys in the back end, like Rakusin and Xavier Rhodes. But no, you're right. Like the one thing that never goes away, no matter how many good things you do on defense, you got to get after the quarterback. And they were able to do it pretty well early in the season because there was a lot of interior pressure, right? Yeah. Over Stewart to Forrest Buckner, straight up the middle. So many times we're getting pressure on the quarterback. Tyquan the ends, from, they need to pick it up. Muhammad, well. yeah. yeah, Toure and, and those guys. So you're right. I mean, that needs to step up and step up quickly because if that doesn't, it's going to be a long couple of weeks against Watson and Carr and then Watson again. So I, I got to look at the pressure rate numbers. I, I don't have that handy. But I did look at the sack numbers. I think they're just barely in the bottom half of the league. They're like 17th or something. And what I say about that is, okay, you can you can live you know with, with sack numbers in that range. But it is interesting for a defense as good as theirs. And their defense yes. has been top five all season. It is kind of interesting. That their sack numbers and their, frankly, their their pass rush in general has been so average, and yet their defense has been so good. I can't figure that out for the life of me, but it's so strange to me. Um, I'm actually gonna see if I can figure out like how rare that is, like how often or or just how many of the top defenses have such a lackluster pass rush. It just doesn't seem to marry up. It's just kind of strange, but I don't know that there's a conclusion there. It's just kind of an observation. It's, just it's interesting, interesting that they've, they've been able to be so good on defense. I think mm-hmm. most people would agree out there. Very, very consistent throughout the season on defense with some lapses, but without a doubt one of the top five and, and not be really good at one of the most important things on defense. It, it's getting after the quarterback. They've been okay in some spots, but um, it's hard to do that and sustain that consistency without a consistent pass rush. Yeah, and the the answer is the reason they've been able to do it is a couple of things. Number one, they've really shut down the run. Okay, except on Sunday. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then for the other part of it is they don't let you go over the top except on Sunday. Yeah, uh, that was a big play. But for the most part, those are the two things. So I mean, what that's that gets back to bend but don't break a little bit and those sort of philosophical things that that 
not every Colts fan loves, but it's hard to argue with the results. And I, I get that Sunday was an aberration, but I, I think that notwithstanding, uh, they've been over. They've been able to overcome some weaknesses on defense, despite uh, despite that pass rush in particular, and still have a really good defense. So I think there's something there to the philosophy. Uh, I think that's a credit to Matt Eberflus. But okay, every week is a new week, so none of that even matters, I guess, at this point. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Um, you feel like making a prediction? Mm. We want to go there. I was I was fearful of that question. Eh. I've missed on. Four straight, I think. <laughs> I picked them to beat the Ravens. I picked them to lose to the Titans. I picked them to lose to the Packers. I picked them to beat the Titans. So I'm 0 for 4. So whoever I pick this week will certainly lose. So I'm going <laughs> to maybe I'll just pick the Titans and, or the Texans and, and roll with that and maybe give the Colts some, some good momentum. <laughs> so I will offer a disclaimer. I believe I picked the Colts over the Titans as well uh, this time last week. However, that was a couple hours before we found out about the Forrest Buckner. So that's a huge that's a huge <laughs> right. change. Right. I probably would not have made that uh, that pick otherwise. So I'm, I'm going to go Colts only because I think the Texans gives them um, a, a chance to overcome some of the things that they're dealing with. I, I think they can win in spite of some of the things they're dealing with. I mean, this is not a Derrick Henry type of game. So even with even without DeForest Buckner, worst, worst case scenario, uh, I don't think the drop-off is as big in a matchup like this. Um, and I like their fast defense against Deshaun Watson. I think, you know, a much, much more old school and, and throwback attack against Tennessee. Uh, that was just a very, very different type of deal. So, I, I and, think, and they just don't yeah. have the weapons. They don't have the weapons yeah. right now. That's the other thing. Houston so. is nowhere near the team Tennessee is. Like yeah. I know Houston's played some good games of late, but Tennessee is really good, and and I think I think that matters here. I, yeah, I do think they're playing much much less competition this week. Yeah, I, I would say this last thing on Tennessee. I think as a Colts fan, I would imagine or I hope that uh, you have a greater respect for Tennessee's weapons after that game on Sunday because I think you saw it. You know, AJ Brown, for example. I mean, and look, and Corey Davis. Corey Davis is I think has really picked it up. That guy has played well this year, and then obviously Derrick Henry. So, and and the quarterback is is fantastic. So, their weapons are really really good. Now, Deshaun Watson in Deshaun Watson, they have they have the Texans have a better skill position player than all of those guys I probably just mentioned, but they just don't have anything else right now, and that's the problem. So, so we'll see. That's what I'm hanging my hat on. But of course, what the hell do I know? So, it'll be a fun uh, one. Hey, yeah, I think so. I think so. So stay tuned to The Athletic. Uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, we're always trying to cook something up. Uh, if you haven't read my Matt Hasselbeck piece, um, I'm not telling you to read it because I wrote it. Just be- I'm telling you to read it because Matt Hasselbeck was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it, and it's it'll put you in the mood for a Houston game for sure. So I promise you that. <laughs> that's one way to put it. It'll put you in a mood that's, that's not hungry, but it will put you in the mood to, to it'll watch do something. the Colts and Texans. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so hey, that's the that's the podcast for today. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back for a recap uh, of Sunday's matchup, win or lose, uh, Colts at Texans on Sunday. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. This is One Percent Better. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.